All right, we are here with a somewhat unique interview. I say this every single episode, um, but this one actually isn't even in America. We're crossing the little pond between the United States and the United Kingdom. Uh, we're here with the general manager of Fallen Acorn Brewing Company, a UK brewery. It is Tim Houlihan on the show. Tim, I want to say thank you so much for coming on, and we're excited to have you. Cool. Thanks for having me. All no problem. Delighted. All right, Tim. So I have to. We have to clarify something. Um, so many decades ago, my dad went to England. This was when he was a teenager. So we're talking like sixties, okay? And he goes. One thing that he picked up about English beer. So it was. He was about eighteen, I guess, because then he could drink um, English beer. Was that it was room temperature and had various forms of pond life in it. <laughs> How has English beer evolved since then, and why was that a thing? <laughs> um, I mean, to an extent, I think a little bit of it is probably a, a stereotype that, yeah. you know, uh, it used to be a stereotype that American beer was watery, sort of just fizzy piss. Yep. And obviously, knowing how good the craft beer scene in America, well, which started it all, and knowing how big it's grown, we all know that's not true. Um, and I think we we we've always had better than we've been told we had but at the same time um copying you guys has been like <laughs> trying to like emulate what you guys have done over the pond so you're um, copying us and we're copying the germans yeah, yeah all right cool i mean essentially the the big roundabout way will all end up back in lager eventually yeah yeah <laughs> i love it yeah because uh <laughs> i checked your untap and i have a question about that later but like you do have fruited sours and like hazy New England IPAs, like those are styles that I feel like over the past 10 years, people in America have been going absolutely nuts over. Is like the hazy IPA scene, is that still like huge where you are? Is it tailing off? Like where is it, I guess, at the stage uh, in the UK? It's It's got to that stage where, because we, we're, we're quite familiar with the US scene. And then it's got to that stage that I think you guys got to maybe three, four years ago where everyone started getting bored of seeing so many New Englands on every bar, seeing a whole lineup of just hazy IPA. Yep. Um, but I mean, the, the scene over here probably started more with sort of West Coast or, or more, we used to just call them American IPAs, but stuff like Sierra Nevada. And mm -hmm. um, so there was always that beforehand. And along with like the, the traditional English um, styles, mm -hmm. we've always had a bit more of a mix um, than just the hype stuff. Yeah. Uh, so people still love New England. Um, the fruity stuff over here is hyping at the moment. Um, it's infiltrating we, everywhere. It is it's everywhere. Everywhere, um, man. <laughs> and then, you know, pastry stouts and barrel-aged pastry stouts and things are, are massive too. But it, it's, it's more of a mix now. Mm -hmm. We've got a bit of everything. Yeah, I think the the biggest like takeaway, we've been doing this podcast for like almost three years. So I've always tried to like keep my ear to the ground as far as like what the trends are, what is going on in the beer industry. And I feel like people have gotten so much smarter as far as like what they know almost to a fall with these people. Like they're too snobby. Um, <laughs> so like especially in America, because like people want single hop variants and they want you know like a double dry hop triple dry hop they want these like hop bombs sometimes they want something like 
off-centered like uh like a zwickle beer or like a roush like it's getting, i'm sorry was that a word it is wickle beer <laughs> yes uh it, it's just like getting like all over the map within like america um so it, my whole point is that like people are getting way way more intelligent when it comes to like drinking beer and uh my uh segue into my next question comes with untapped because at least in america it is very uh like hit or miss whether like people will genuinely rate a beer on untapped accurately and unbiasedly <laughs> and there's other people that will have like a pastry stout to your point and be like well i don't taste the chocolate donut and i'm giving it like yeah. one one cap if you will <laughs> uh is that the same sentiment like in the uk are people just like very biased and will just shit on something because they can and follow up to even like untapped we we, i think first um to answer the first question um it's a tricky one we we get people more who because we brew brew traditional english beer as well as more hype styles we know that will damage our score we know people will automatically rate them down they'll they'll do the whole best golden ale i've ever had or best best bitter i've ever had yeah. 3.5 and that's standard <laughs> so a 3.5 for a best bitter for us is like yeah that's great get in there but, uh, <laughs> but um you know then we can do sort of something we think is quite average we'll put out a new england that we go oh, we could have done it better and it'll be like 4.5 4.5 <laughs> yeah. um so but but with untapped i think there's more of an attitude that yeah it does to an extent influence some people but it, it to, to us at least it's someone's personal diary of what they liked and didn't like so you know what like yeah we'll get up and down ratings but if you're if you're good enough as a brewery in general i think your average score will still be fair your your beer's average score will still be fair like one one out of five isn't going to destroy a good beer right um, and if you're constantly getting sort of the beers that pop up at three then maybe you're not doing a great job yeah. <laughs> uh, i think there's too much thought people take it too personally uh, good i don't know anybody who goes to a brewery and go and looks at untapped to determine what they're going to drink right like no. they sit on their phone going mm, not today that one's got a one and i, I don't know I anybody think, who does if that. they do if they do it's just people looking at what the beer is they'll be like i like that hop i like that yeah. you know like well i'll give it a go i mean yeah to an extent if you've got a, a beer that's rated three and with 5,000 check-ins, you might be put off of it. But then if you've got 5,000 check-ins, it's probably a shit beer. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I The only reason why I use Untapped is if I've, I go to a brewery I've never been to before, like never heard of it. And I'm like, okay, like what is either the most checked in or like the highest rated beer? And that's really the only way that I use it. I don't use it to be like, What's the worst thing they have? And let me try it. It's like I'm not. People are weird like that. A, not me. I think you get a fair snapshot of, of a realistic snapshot of what a brewery is like from it. But I mean, yeah, people people take it to heart. People get offended by it. Uh, we don't. We we just use it as a nice tool. That's so, about all it is. The one thing that always irks me. I found a couple people do this where they'll do untapped ratings. Right? It's every point two five, point two five, point five, point seven five one. And I've noticed that people will write a review and say, oh, this is great, yada, yada, yada. Give it a 4.25, but then rate it like a 4.48. Can't give it a (laughs) 4.5. Where are the 200ths of a decimal point deduction? That, to me, 
is the sign of we're taking this too far. That's, that's well, to be fair, I, I love untapped for my personal use. I think <laughs> when you start buying untapped the premium upgrade, then that's probably taking it too far. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get those badges, man. Dude, <laughs> I know. I, I totally get that. Um another beer question, actually some something that you brought up. You mentioned obviously you you kind of have a spectrum of what you offer. You offer the Haiti New Englands and, and IPAs, but you also do more English traditional beers. Uh, what would you consider like an English traditional beer? Because I'm not very well versed in that at all. It's it's probably a, a wider spectrum than um, than people realise, and, and even people in England don't realise how how big the spectrum is. Because we 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 do a traditional IPA, mm-hmm. um, which compared to either a West Coast or a New England or anything that you see around today, it's, it's again it's a completely different beast. Um, and the best bitter is probably a staple over here. Um, but again, that's a style that seems to be confused. Uh, there's some amazing American breweries recently who have started trying um, Best Bitters or, or something, and then you see them and it's just a parallel. Yeah. And Best Bitters should be brown. Yep. <laughs> you know, it should be. But we've got like mild, old, old ales, um, all sorts of, of things popping up. We do a wee heavy, a scotch ale, oh, things okay. like that. Uh, there's a lot of, I say English, but British styles that are quite historic. Um, and, you know, some of them were, the joys of them is that we can use modern hops with them now mm-hmm. and see how they've changed. Uh, but you don't see a market for them outside of England. Yeah, like those, I've heard of breweries doing like, well, best bitters or uh, like extra special bitters or something like that, ESBs, if you will. Um, I think a lot of the average drinker gets kind of afraid of having a beer that's called a bitter. I feel like that's why like not a lot of breweries will sell it like in a larger scale. But the beer nerds, like especially in the U.S., there is some sort of like comeback for like a bitter or some of those like older style ales. I've had wee heavies before, like so you get some breweries that will do it. Um, but I feel like it's a lot of catering to the masses, and no one's gonna have I like a ten percent. The other problem we have with it is that these styles don't translate to cake. They don't translate well to ca- uh, can. They've got to be served cask. And if you've got a, a brewery that is predominantly can and keg. The investment's just not worthwhile, and that it's a lot of hassle putting beer into cask. Yeah, it would be a real luxury for us to scrap it all. Yeah, yeah, you have four casks. <laughs> no, right? we, yeah, we, well, we've got uh, three core casks, and then we always have a special rotating. But the actual process takes up three times the time it does to distill some cakes and cans. So it is a bit of hassle, um, but we we couldn't survive without it. It's our bread and butter. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, the cask, I'm assuming, and a really silly question, but that's like the sideways keg on top of the bar, and you need like the old school like handle yeah, to create yeah, the, the pressure. Metal, um, so it's it's uh, secondly fermented in the cask as well, mm. um, so it's all cask conditioned, um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's worthwhile. It's a completely different drinking experience yep. to have those beers on it, and um, sometimes we'll put uh, pastry stouts even, things like that, um, and they're, they're amazing on cask. People don't realize how good they are on cask, but you get much more of that creamy, sort of thick body to them through the cask. And then it's underrated, but it's a lot of hassle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Not, not what my dad had back in the 1960s. <laughs> no, no, no. You're telling me he didn't have a uh, pastry style, a double pastry style? No, his his pint was probably thick for different reasons, <laughs> but not because of the cask. So, so Tim, Fallen Acorn. You guys used to be called Oakleaf. Why did you change the name? And why do you love trees so much? <laughs> Good question. 
Thank you. The um, Oakleaf was a brewery on site, the same site we're on here um, for about 20 years. Um, so it was a really historic, known, traditional local brewery. Um, and we, I say, Paul and April came back because Oakleaf actually went under. So Oakleaf went under and got some local investment, which saved the brewery. Um, and as part of that, we still can't tell if it was, you know, linked into the Oakleaf name or maybe a little bit of a dig, you know, fallen acorn. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking, uh, is that like <laughs> a bit of a, you guys failed. <laughs> but there's a lot of the same team members here. So I'd assume they weren't taking right. this too much. Um, I don't know. The, to be fair, the, the brew team we've got now, um, apart from our, our driver, um, he does all deliveries, um, everyone's new. So we sort of inherited the name, and but oh. we inherited it knowing the tradition and knowing the heritage of it. Um, so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you could change the name to something new and cool. And we go, well, heritage and tradition is just as important to us as pushing boundaries going forward. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm, assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming they were being kind about it and linking it into the old name. Um, <laughs> But we did think for a while they were just going, screw you guys, you messed up. <laughs> I always figured naming a brewery is like naming a band. It's like everyone gets together yeah. in a room, says a bunch of random words, and then someone says, that's the one. I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, naming, it's the same with bands as with beer for us. It's a lot of us, our guys have been in bands or, and it's just get drunk and see what comes out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, so more on like the whole scene within the UK, so as far as the the macros in like the UK and across Europe, is it still like is it Brewdog right? Isn't Brewdog like technically the biggest like craft brewer in the world? Is that like the Budweiser that people have over in the UK, or do people drink Bud Bud Light like they do in America here? In the no, UK? it's a, it's um, there's a definite split, and Brewdog's a bit of a sort of on the line now for a lot of UK drinkers where there's a big debate if they should be put under the craft like name. Um, Got too big. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of up and down. A lot of that's uh, surrounding current events with uh, certain issues going on with Redux, should I say. Yeah. Um, you either so, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's it, you know what I'm yeah. Saying? And uh, have they bought into what they've sold to us all for so many years? Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, the, you go to a pub in, in the UK, you, you've got Heineken, Foster's, um, you know, the big Budweiser, they're over here, um, Coors, they're over here. Um, so that's what is the macro over here. But uh, they've started buying up a lot of the successful craft names that, that we grew up getting into crafts over here mm. um, drinking. So, you know, Budweiser got sold out, um, Magic Rock, uh, Camden, all these names that five, six years ago, people were talking about as the next big thing in craft. Suddenly, they've just been absorbed into all these big macro breweries. And we're now pretending that they're still little micros, yep. but they're in massive production plants. And, uh, you know, there's beers that used to be this thick, hazy yellow that are now just crystal clear brown. And they're saying it's the same recipe. And you go, we're not idiots. People are idiots. Mm -hmm. The one thing about no, craft no. over here is the honesty of, of what you're producing. <laughs> And you're expecting people to buy this? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, it, it, and it's the same exact thing over in the U.S. here. I mean, we just, like, covered something. One of, like, the top three craft breweries in the country, as far as, like, production-wise, got sold to a bigger company. Um, 
that owns another larger like crap brewery. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of like that fear is becoming a reality of like these one small places got really big and then got sold to like a corporation. So, I mean, it doesn't help that you guys, you guys have a definition for craft. Um, And I think the problem we've got over here is we don't have a, an industry recognized definition. So everyone's got an opinion and, you know, most people have, most people recognize that the important things are sort of, um, quality of ingredients and, you know, uh, small batch production mm-hmm. and um, pushing boundaries and that, but there's not an across-the-board accepted definition. So, yeah, it's caused a lot of confusion over here. And you get breweries like BrewDog who are now working with a partnership with um, Asahi for some Japanese distribution. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then you go, but it's distribution. So where do you draw that line? Because if, if they'd sold to Asahi, I'm sure everyone would be saying, no, they're macro now. But... Um, you know, where do you draw that line? Where is that line? I actually don't know. Do you just say, hey, I crafted this, thus it's craft beer, and then, like, that's the line? That's that's the bare minimum? That's the go... other thing we're getting. Yeah. We're getting, like, old-school traditional breweries that are mass-producing, um, you know, Green King or someone like that, who are a massive um, UK name, but they're, they're very poor-quality, mass-produced real ale. And they're now going, well, you know, we're, we're craft. You know, we're independent what, just because you've been owned by the same corporation for so long or... they're infiltrating um yeah. gotta call out and the it, posers it, man well that's it <laughs> and it um it devalues the product there it devalues the idea of yeah. craft beer being a premium product so for us it's uh it's a constant little fight against people the the only the only thing that can like release make like macro breweries and and big companies absorbing little ones a problem is if we can't continuously make small breweries and sometimes here in the states we run into obstacles we've had people on the show who talk about um that they couldn't open breweries for different types of like state regulations we just had interview with um one of the owners of abomination brewing here in connecticut and they were originally in pennsylvania and they couldn't find a, a place to put up their brewery because they're they the place they wanted it didn't have a history of manufacturing so they couldn't go yeah. there and you're like so does does england have anything like that that's stuff, stuff that would get in the way that the country no, or really. different areas um, would do everything in in the uk is pretty much one one rule for everything which right. is you know it's convenient but um it does encourage um in fact i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in, in the states in a way because what you see over here is a lot of breweries just grow and grow and grow and it's all on one site or it's all just one big entity whereas people that we look up to um other half are a great example where they'll open another small brewery somewhere else and yep. they'll have lots of little small breweries it'll yeah. be like instead of having one mass production site they'll have a brewery that's for the community they're in mm-hmm. and then another one for where, where they open up that's for that community they're in there um that sort of speaks to us to what we brew for more than just being able to sell thousands and thousands of units right uh, so, yeah there's got to be something said for doing it for the people you're around and the community you're around but do you run into any like legal obstacles trying to just get a brewery off the ground or is it pretty much like find the location and just go for it it's pretty easy there's been a uh, micros pop up everywhere over the UK to, to the point that the problem you've got now is that Everyone thinks microbrewery means good beer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like, being small. Yeah, I'm not going to call any names, but um, <laughs> you know, we've got like a real mixed bag around us. We've got some of the best breweries in England by my doorstep. 
and then others they shouting about themselves like they're god's gift <laughs> yeah that's the trend that we're starting that's to probably see. what your dad was drinking back then yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's a scoop out of the pond man, right into the pint glass yeah we're uh, we're starting to see that a little bit here like locally it's it's uh, that trend now that craft beer like new england is starting to get big it's definitely that trend where everyone kind of looks at one place that they think is really good and it's actually pretty shitty um, so I'm glad that we're following in, in the footsteps as far as beer progression there. Um, oh, yeah, Ty, who do you think is shitty? Let's get it on yeah, air. Recording. Um, here, Let's go. I'll say it right now. It's <laughs> and I'm just going to bleep that part so that way you can't actually see what oh, I actually oh, said. Yeah, okay. It's only be nice. So I'll say it again. Sorry. Coward. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to bleep that part. So um, <laughs> side note, going back to going back to Brewdog, I was trying to find the article like a minute ago. Um, and fun fact, they did a transatlantic flight two years ago from Columbus, Ohio, from their U.S. location <laughs> to their U.K. location. And two hours into the flight, the toilet stopped working. Um, so I think they had to, like, do an emergency landing or something like that. Yeah, so. People were fuming. They ran out of, um, they ran out of any, they, they promised a load of specials. Yes. Uh, and they ran out of them in the first half hour, and then people were just drinking punk IPA the whole time. And, yeah. um, you know, if you pay that much for a flight, <laughs> yeah so the, so the problem What's that happening? happened people are just drinking these like hoppy beers you're having like four or five like hazy ipas crammed into a small seat and you just have to just use the bathroom so the direct quote <laughs> the direct quote was that uh the pilot said that during his 25 years of flight service he'd never once seen the toilets on a boeing 767 aircraft fill up entirely <laughs> And this is like, this is like, oh, this is five hours into it. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing with BrewDog from a UK perspective. Yeah. Is that, you know, we can't deny how influential they were on, the, on all of us drinking craft beer over here. They were the first to really push it. They were the, the first to make it a big thing. Right. And back in the day, their, their beers were quality. And then again, accountants get involved and start writing your recipes for you but the, in terms of things like this flight like they've got such a history of awful marketing decisions yep that you go i'm sure you've done that on purpose by now i'm sure you're doing it just to you know you know there's no such good headline publicity yeah <laughs> and they're just going what can we do now like how can we cause some controversy i mean it's, <laughs> it sort of goes away against everything that you think of in terms of craft ethos and right. craft beer but they've they've sold their brand on it and there's all these arguments about, oh, they're not still punk. They're a big corporate machine. But you go, well, there's got to be something slightly punk about just being like, yeah, I don't care who I offend. <laughs> there is. It doesn't matter how big yeah. you are. If you're willing to, if you're willing to fly across the Atlantic, and, and then and you say, hey, go in the back, clog the toilet. This would be hilarious. It's so <laughs> punk rock. It's so punk rock. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny. I'm starting to see it a little by little. Jeff, have you have you seen like Brew Dog? I know as far as like the two of no. us go. Yeah, it's no. it's really weird as far as it coming to the U.S. It's very like I notice it, but it's like not all across the U.S. as it would be like across uh, Europe. So I don't know if they're trying to expand more. It's very interesting. I've had Elvis juice once, and I was like, okay, like this is grapefruit. Uh, Elvis juice? Yes. It's, no, it's a beer that used to be. Um, when when they first brewed it, you didn't have a whole lot of that sort of you know grapefruit IPA or anything. Yeah. And it was it was amazing. It was six point something percent, if I remember. And they've done the same with all of their core range, where they've taken stuff that were institutions, and then they've 
drop the ABV and then doing that they've changed the recipe and pretended that nothing's happened yeah and then you know they people have called them out on it and they just go oh no it's the same it's like it's not the same it's not not the same uh now getting back to you guys um you are all doing a festival next april called awakening yes yeah and it's probably one of the cooler uh logos i've seen for this jeff i don't know if you've seen this I have not seen the logo. We're sharing screen. We are looking at it. We are loading up. Whoa. It's pretty cool. I like it. That is gnarly. I like it. I like it. Look at that zombie hand. That was it. That That's all I had. But the one thing. I liked know, it. It reminded me of Goosebumps. Yes. Very much so. Um, the one thing I noted was that Friday you're having a keg from Evil Twin. Yeah. That's crazy. So is Evil Twin, I in in America... I would say like maybe three or four years ago when distribution was a lot less and not as many people were delivering beer per se, uh, Evil Twin, and it kind of still is, it, it, it was very highly regarded and like highly trade for and everything like that. Is there a lot of buzz around Evil Twin? And I know you mentioned other half, like are those two like huge get like ones to get? Um other half have been over here for quite a while now because um so i used to work for northern monk brewery oh nice um, and um so they do a festival two festivals hop city and dark city um and that's where i first got introduced to a lot of the us stuff that you see quite a lot now mm-hmm. um evil twin were over here but only in their sort of gypsy brewing capacity gotcha. so i don't think they exploded until they got the new york brewery mm-hmm. um but yeah they're, they're probably two of the biggest U.S. names over here. Um, to be honest, 90% of the, the biggest U.S. names over here are because of the last... Until Brexit happened, it was easy to get European beer. And this is probably the only upside to Brexit because it's been a shit show. But, uh, <laughs> but the European beer was easy to get, so the U.S. stuff was harder to get. No one was paying attention to it as much. Um, but now it's quite easy to get hold of decent U.S names at least mm. the five years before that we were muling it over pretending it was olive oil or you know <laughs> hot samples. that's awesome um, so we, we spent about six years like between the guys at the brewery here or people i knew at northern monk you know you'd get a little wrapped up package that's gone through five different borders cost <laughs> <laughs> you 18 quid a can yeah um, but no we see like um other half of probably the best known u.s name um evil twin are coming up um uh, we get a lot more talus. Um, oh yeah, with all the with the hype about all the the juice and the fruit juice. <laughs> oh yeah, but um, but no, there's there's a few, but a lot a lot of it's still quite obscure over here. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's the the more generic names that aren't very exciting. True. Um, so it's it's good to see like Cloudwater a a really good brewery for bringing over decent quality US guests, and mm-hmm. um, so they get the Vale over, who are probably my all time favorite brewery. Um, we're seeing more of them. Um, but a lot of it still still is a case of smuggling that over and uh, oh, I love it. Stuff. I mean, <laughs> Angry Chair are my favorite brewery. Oh, and, um, I still have to have Angry and, Chair. I've heard yeah. their stouts are like amazing. Like their stouts are highly regarded. Um, I still have well, to the, try. The them. are probably my favorite all top all round brewery. But Angry Chair do the best stouts I've ever tried. Yep. And I think people were smuggling them over for a hundred hundred pound a bottle. Now that's a that's an image right there. Yeah. Smuggling US beer into England. I'm picturing some guy in a on on a pier. We're at a port and you're underneath, <laughs> underneath right? And you're like, all right, dude, what, what do we got here? And you I can't understand a word he's saying. Like he says it's English. I don't even know. It's that thick of an accent. I don't know what's going on. We're smuggling beer was, in. 
I wish it was that fun, but in reality, it's some FedEx guy booting it across a car park. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like in uh, yeah, it's just like in America. It's there's so many like rules against it, and so many different like postal services that people use to like save an arm and a leg. It it really is something. I don't get why they don't just like allow it on a national level. A lot of the bigger it seems bizarre that it seems bizarre that adults can't send beer to each other. Like it's just mind blowing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter where in the world you live. I mean, growing adults, it, it's fine if you have to prove who you are or whatever, but it shouldn't be a drama having to just yeah. import some beer. Um, but luckily, there's some decent importers now who are, I think it still has to go through Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can come direct to the UK. Um, um, so we're getting, the guys that we use, I think, work with uh, Drahik Brigade, who are based in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yes, yeah, a long-winded way around. We're seeing a lot more US stuff over here now. Yeah. Um, but going back the other way, I don't think there's really anything apart from, um, I know Cloud Water and Northern Monk might be over there, but that's about it from the UK. Northern Monk, I've heard of Northern Monk, never had it. Um, the only, I'm looking at just like the the list of like who you have here. Um, and the only other one that I recognize is Omnipolo. And mm-hmm. Omnipolo talking about like anger chart chair and doing like weird out there stouts like omnipolo i feel like does weird out there like everything i um <laughs> like their lassie series the lassie goza i i still have one i think it was in like a technically a 500 milliliter can and uh yeah it's like super concentrated heavy like raspberry so good and i was like yeah, no one so else they, is doing this this is nuts they, they changed what what beer could be for a lot of people in the UK. They, because it was before all these new, like, you know, the big fruity US stuff was coming over to us. They they did it before that to a point that it was silly. And, you know, it's still lovely. You still enjoy having one, but you have one and you just go, what is, I don't, can't work out what's going on there. Yes. It's absolutely blew your mind. And you, you go to a beer festival and they're pouring and they'll, they'll have put sort of one of those goes into a soft serve machine. And then serve a soft serve head on top of a pastry style. I've seen, and, uh, you know, I've seen a load of breweries doing that now, but they did it first and everyone just went, this is crazy. So we did a, a tap takeover with them where we got a local donut company to fill a load of donuts with beer cream. They oh. had like a mango beer cream from them. And then they were putting the donut on top of the pint with the soft serve head. And it's like, <laughs> Is this, is this a beer? I don't care. It's fun. That's all We're a long be. way from pond water. <laughs> yeah. I'm also glad that they didn't um, decide to serve that on on board a Boeing 767 <laughs> because those toilets, those that wouldn't even get off the tarmac. Didn't that would not last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it honestly is crazy. And I honestly, I've, I'll follow their social media because not a lot of places do that. You'll see some people like doing a, goza or like a fruited sour into like an ice cream or something like that like a beer like a beer slushy essentially yeah but nothing like omnipolo of like making it like ice cream and then like you say like throwing it on top of like a pastry stout or something it's absolutely bananas the one beer that like they throw bananas on there too they probably do the one the one beer that really like introduced me to them was the beer that they made with like french fries and hamburger buns Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. Was it really? I, I never. Love, had... I love Omnipolo. That was awful. <laughs> it's funny. So they. But the, the marketing for that photo alone was worth it, just to see a mash tun full of French fries and hamburgers. It's yeah. amazing. 
Like, who cares what the beer tastes like at that point? They've just sold themselves to half the world. Yeah, that was <laughs> wow. that wasn't really something like wow. it sounds like it's it's okay. Like, okay, yeah, like I could see myself like having a beer with like French fries in it and stuff, but I don't Can like, you? Can you see that? Picture see, it right now, Ty. Do you see it? I can see anything I can. at I don't this know what's point. happening. I can see I agree <laughs> with you. I think I think that's the thing with it. It doesn't matter if it's crap. Because at least they did some it. Like <laughs> this is the one thing we've got over here where we've Oh, here we go. Um, Sharing uh, Yeah, there it is. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. I like the can label. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I do like it. With a uh, with the UK scene being quite behind, sort of definitely behind America, um, and then you know we we're probably a little bit ahead of Europe, apart from someone like Omnipolo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's taken us so long to like people will get beers over here from the states and we'll go, that's amazing. And it'll take four or five years before a UK brewery even tries to replicate it or push it further. So we've sort of embraced that. You know, if we do such traditional styles that a lot of UK drinkers now consider boring, twiggy, old boy styles. Like that, be able to do that and have a, a brewery where I can take my dad to have some at Brown and at the same time have something that looks like one of those Omnipolos. <laughs> like that's that for us is the joy of it that you can have both together. And yeah. everything in between. Yeah. Um, and I think the not enough breweries will touch both sides. Yeah. They don't want to damage their reputation by doing the more safe, more boring stuff. Absolutely. Um, so is, oh, I'm, I actually never asked that. So is our hard seltzers, like, is that, or was that like a huge trend that fell off really fast, like the US? Uh, it, it trended for about a day. And then um, Smirnoff started, um, well, you don't brew them, do you? What? I don't know. You make them. Because technically, you brew them. Technically, <laughs> cheap is the word, doesn't it? True. <laughs> no, it, it, it lasted for about a day, and then they sort of fell right off. No one really drinks them. Yeah. There's... there's a lot more resistance for, like, beer being, like, king. Yeah. There was, there's two big brands that came up, like, three years ago, White Claw and Truly. I don't know if they're in uh, Europe at all or the UK, but... White Claw is in all of the big supermarkets. Nice. Um, but that's it. It's not... It doesn't interest the same. Like I noticed it was really intertwined with the craft beer scene when you talk about American brewers and brewing. Um, over here, it's, you know, the people that go out for a vodka and coke, they're the ones drinking it. Smell off ice, like that sort of alcohol drinker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you see them over here and, you know, once in a while, some craft beer drinker will be like, yeah, this is really nice and just get ripped to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> all right good so the fucking loser it's the same it's, it's the same as over here although the trend did last a lot longer because like yeah it was probably like over the past five years there was like one big brand that was it it actually started like where we're from in connecticut and then they went away and then white claw which one did uh spike seltzer oh, spike seltzer, and yeah. uh so then these two big brands took over and like from 2016 to like 2019 like if you didn't drink beer you were just like housing white claws all it, day. It was, it was for you know on the college campuses when you just want to keep drinking something, but you don't, you're not ready to get yeah. absolutely shit faced yet. Like no, white claws, a, a bit of a generalization, but it's probably as well. You, the states has got nicer weather than we have, so if you want something light and refreshing, it makes a bit of sense in at least a few states over in the U.S. Whereas sure. over here, we get a summer that lasts two months if we're lucky true yeah you what know. beer goes best with cloudy days tim 
Uh, all of it. Uh, Imperial <laughs> Stout. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a big impy stout, like, all loving. Like, people talk about stout season over in States. I've got mates who are like, That's, stout season's coming up. And you're like, no, it's just always stout season. Over <laughs> always there. stout season. <laughs> there it is. I love it. stout season. Yeah. Um, so the question that I was going to ask, um, my last question, was as far as there's other brands, you know, Evil Twin, Other Half, they make amazing IPAs, but I feel like at least Evil Twin and I guess a little bit other half, they're for like their fruited sours, like these kind of like off-center beers. Have you guys ever seen hype from like Treehouse or Trillium or like Monkish, these like IPA? Yeah, no, so like... I've got some Monkish in the fridge right now. Um, and, you know, they, they are, I think the thing with Monkish, in fact, all three of those breweries are all massively respected over here. Mm-hmm. But because of the, maybe the slightly broader range of styles we've got in the UK that are sort of generally accepted, mm-hmm. that are generally brewed all the time. Um, those breweries come across as one-trick ponies. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way because yep. there's some of the, especially Monkish, I mean, a Trillium do some nice stouts as well. Yep, and, they and they do some good fruity stuff, actually. So Trillium's probably unfair to lump them into that. Um, Monkish are probably the best IPA producer in the world for a lot of people over here, including myself. Um, but those sort of breweries where they, they're, they're all like one thing, but they only really do that. Um, there's a lot of breweries over here that are starting to try and do at least a bit of everything craft, if not trad and if not Belgian styles and things like that. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably why they don't get quite as hyped. But I, that said, Monkish are probably the most hyped brewery in the UK. Very interesting. Because it's so hard to get hold of. Yeah. Um, Ooh, the cans rare. we've got... Uh, we're having to sell them at 16 pound a can and that's cheap compared to the mule costs and that so, um, i mean i'm not even surprised yeah that totally makes yeah. sense especially because like that is literally on the other side of the world i mean like that is every bit of like a 10 12 hour flight for you guys <laughs> yeah. so damn yeah that makes that makes a ton of sense that was my question jeff what, what was your last question? oh mine mine is i'm just curious about like brewery culture in england if it's any different over the similarities Ty and I have like our pet peeves when you go to a brewery and, and certain things go down and we're like, God, fuck. What is yours? What is your pet peeve? When you walk in and you're like, this, is this really happening? Are people like this right now? What's your pet peeve when you go to a brewery? I don't know. I think we're, because we're compared to the state, still just growing in the, sure. the microbrewery scene and, and tap rooms and things like that. Um, we generally don't get many dickheads in them we do it's a nice crowd it's it's people that have come specifically for the beer more um i mean my pet peeve is probably tap places that say they're tap rooms and it's just a bar that's randomly positioned in some city like a tap room should be part of the brewery or like yeah. you know it should have that feel of a brewery oh they're but, not um, they're in different buildings yeah, they're just yeah like, you'll, you'll have oh, people okay. say oh check out our tap room and it will just be in the city along that's that move it's just a bar yeah uh, <laughs> No, to be fair, we're quite lucky over here. We don't get much. Damn. It's not a lot that annoys us. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. You know what it is for us? It's actually something, I don't know if this is a thing there, right? Is we will go and people bring their kids. Okay, yeah. Now you're opening up a new can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, whilst whilst we try and be like a real uh, community sort of venue, beer is an 18 plus. Like right drink 
right there's nothing for kids to do the one thing that does really wind me up is is people that get offended by breweries branding or names or things when you go it's an 18 plus product it's an 18 Mm. plus sort of industry yeah so you're getting offended by someone you're putting a swear word on the can or like having a slightly tongue-in-cheek name and you go i don't think this is for you like you need to grow up before you should be allowed with it Right. Don't tell us to grow up and put something funny on there. Flip it back yeah. on them. I like that. <laughs> Write it back on them. I, I actually seriously believe you're right. Well, I, I work with, I work in a school. I work with kids. I, I have no problem with kids in general. Yeah. I it just, when I'm there, I know what happens when kids are bored. Yeah. And there's nothing it, for them to do. So they the just go nuts. And I don't want kids. that. Here. It's not fair on the kids. And it's your escape. It's your, you know, it's the same as pubs in the UK. There's, the generally unwritten rule that food pubs, you allow kids in. Well, yeah. drink, drink only pubs. If there are kids in there, everyone gives that look when they come in. Everyone just uh, turns yeah. around and looks at them. And, and you sort of go, it's on the parents. It's all on the parents. Yeah, yeah. it's the yeah. same. I think it's the same here. I totally understand if like a brewery is big enough where they serve their own food. Totally fine. No problem. Drinks only. I kind of get that. But that's been pretty contentious here. It Honestly, like a lot of people get pretty offended by it it's borderline hilarious um I mean, we're, we're kid friendly in our tap room but knowing it's not really something we ever have to address because there's so few and they're there are regulars there are locals that we know right they, they will sit there and actually parent their kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the problem comes in where people treat it like a bar where they'll go i'll just let the kid run around i'm just gonna drink heavily <laughs> what? right yeah <laughs> No, that's where you're supposed to go when your boss yells at you or you got an argument with your wife and you're there at one in the morning. That's where yeah. you go. Okay. It's not for kids. I hope kids aren't no. there at one in the morning. What kids? That's what I'm saying. Okay. We're agreeing, Ty. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was it. All right. That I mean, that's all the questions that I had. Uh, I just want to say, uh, Tim, why don't you shout out your social media and any events the coming up? Talk about Awakening. This is your time to shine. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Awakening next year, which is, it's a beer and music festival. Um, so it's not just about the beer. There's a, a local music uh, recording studio and practice rooms called um, Key West Studios, just around the corner from us. Um, and they sort of record and produce some of the like, biggest up and coming bands in the UK. So you get bands on the BBC introducing and things like that over here. So it would be a real cool mix of, you know, craft beer, real ale, street foods, um, best up-and-coming bands. Um, so that should be really cool, first and second of April next year. Um, and, you know, we've got some people booked tickets from Europe already. So if anyone wants to come over from the States, I mean, there's a lot of good beer around us. There's a lot of good breweries around us to visit at the same time when you're here. Like Staggeringly Good, Mackie Mackie, they're just on our doorstep. Um, and, yeah, we say so annoyingly at the moment with uh, COVID, Brexit and everything like that, we haven't been able to sort out um exporting properly ourselves um so if anyone wants to return the muling favor <laughs> get some out that way um we'll try and make it so it's not 50 quid a can <laughs> yeah yeah so we've got a, a double ipa coming up at the end of the month and then we've got some barrel age stuff coming uh january uh december january uh, which i can't say any more about the barrel age stuff at the moment but uh hush hush you know, hush, hush but yep. um again uh looking at breweries like Horace and Angry Chair, we're sort of playing, we've got to catch up and we've got to find a way to at least try and get close to that level. Uh, so fingers crossed. 
I like yeah, the ambition. Yeah. That that's a good uh, that's a good goal to achieve. <laughs> I respect that. Uh, and then you can follow them on social media at Fallen Acorn Brew on Instagram. Search Fallen Acorn Brewing Co on face uh, Facebook and Twitter. Tim, Ooh, that's Meta, not Facebook. Oh, Meta, Meta. Sorry, me, uh, Meta. meta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll bleep that part. Uh, Tim, I want to say thank you so much for doing this. And to go have a couple Very pints nice for us. Too. It's not even noon here. So, like, drink a couple extra for us. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah, appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. Thank you for having thank- me on. No problem. Yeah, thank you, Tim.